Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Clock Hour Reno is in. ESPN Las Vegas has been here. ESPN Reno joins in. It's Cofield and Company on the strip. Treasure Island is the spot. Our Friday home is the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. They got great happy hour specials going down right now. Awesome menu. I just put in, you know, it's funny. The other day we were at the DLC in Henderson. I was looking down, Adam. Adam Hill is with us. I was looking down from the press box and I saw a lady uh, prepping the giant pretzel. Right? Putting some salt on the giant pretzel. I never got the giant pretzel. That, that night, that night, the, that Wednesday night game. Uh, but this is a very varied menu here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I've had just about everything. Uh, I saw the giant pretzel, so I got a giant pretzel. So if you want, I know you're not a carb guy now, but if you want the giant pretzel. I really get the giant pretzel because, one, I like pretzels, but I like all the dipping options. So I hope oh. they have good, strong dipping options. You're like uh, Michael Scott. Was he uh, more of a condiment guy? What was his deal? Well, on Pretzel Day, uh, wait, pre- they, wait, pre- what? Once a year, there'd be okay. a at the office park. Uh, there'd be a, a pretzel guy that came by. Nice on the office, and uh, you know, you would you would get the option. Would you want, you know, you want some salt? Do you want some cinnamon? Do you want some, you know, sprinkles? Do you want some chocolates? Some marshmallow? And uh, there was fourteen options, I believe. Oh wow! And he said. Uh, is there any way you could do them all? And the guy said, run it through the garden? Sure. <laughs> run it through the garden. Yeah. So we got all That's of them. That's awesome. Yeah. I forgot. You know, we do our Broadcaster Bites podcast, all the travels that we do um, with the UNLV program. And I forgot one of the things in Hawaii that someone took advantage of, actually John Von Tobel. Uh, John was very hungry before a meal, and he was actually waiting on one of the members of the uh, travel group to show up, me. Um, he actually got a street pretzel in Honolulu and raved about it. I never got a bite of it, but he raved about it. There's nothing There's nothing better. Well, there's lots of things that are good, but there's nothing better than the street pretzel. I miss Philly. I miss Philly for that. Philly's got the weird pretzels where they're all kind of stuck together. You get like a three-pack of them. It's like a real skinny eight, too. It's a skinny have. eight. It's not the tradi- you know, It's not the wide, the wider pretzel. They're very good. You can't go into a Wawa without grabbing one at the front Wawa's counter. Wawa's got them right there. Sure. So, I'm all, so that was a long pitch for the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar has pretzels, so come on down. And get that. Big four at four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. All right, everyone, take a deep breath. If you like college sports, you've been through this before, all right? You've been through it. You've been through it with basketball. You've been through it with football. When it first happens to you, and I'm talking about the transfer portal each year, it gets crazier and crazier. Just remember, it wasn't all that bad. Well, for Nevada football, it got pretty bad. Okay, I, Actually, I will step back. It got it got ridiculous with Jaden Norvell stealing players after he crapped all over the program verbally. That, that one stung. And by the way, with Ken Wilson there, Nevada football is getting hit early on here, Adam. They lost two of their best offensive linemen. It's not done yet. Right, I like I I don't like to say they've lost because you never know who you may be able to pull back out of the portal. But right now, Grant Stark is in. He's one of the tackles. Well, here's the problem. He's got two years left. He's already gotten offers, he says, from Oregon State, Cal, Syracuse, Colorado State, Washington State, Tulane, BYU. That one could be tough. Aaron Frost is in. There's about five or six more players who are in. The UNLV situation with a brand new coach 
the best running back is in, the best cornerback is in, the second best lineman, I'll say, this year is in, and Lee Fontenot, starting center of three years, best wide receiver is in. It's not over, but that means a new coach, Barry Odom, has a lot of work to do. I want you to listen to Tom Izzo here and see if there's anything. This is an old cut, but I wanted to revisit it as Izzo talks about the real perils of the transfer portal. Like, he understands sometimes it's necessary, but he sees kids going in for the wrong reasons. The transfer portal, I just believe kids are going to make bad decisions. My biggest fear of the transfer rule is anybody going to learn how to fail? Because it's okay to fail. Have you ever failed? Sure. I failed a zillion times. You don't learn as much from winning as you do from losing. Because when you win, everybody's patting you on the back and you got 100,000 friends. So you're not playing. I mean, Draymond, he played five minutes a game as for Tillman, Valentine. I can name pros that they would have transferred by now because they don't want to endure the process. Transferring is not bad. Every place isn't for everybody. We now have total free agency. So there, there's a lot of interesting things in what Tom Izzo said, and I, I don't want to just shake my fist at the guy shaking the fist at the sun. But one, I I wonder if Valentine and Dr. Dre, Draymond Green, are both like, Coach, up yours. I wouldn't have left. I'm not that, like, you started out by saying it's quitting or, you know, not dealing with defeat. Like, I wouldn't have left. I, the names I just read you, and I didn't read you all the Nevada names that were leaving, but the, the names I, I – the top two names I read – from Nevada, they failed. They're, they were some of their key players. All the guys I just named for UNLV, they didn't fail. There's an opportunity here. And Izzo was more, more talking about maybe his experience in Michigan State, which is, you know, power five at the top of the mountain. Kids in group of five who maybe didn't get looks from power five, I don't blame them for at least wanting to be wooed and see what the opportunities are. And the, let's, let's be honest, in the case of both Nevada and UNLV football, can they make a bowl game next year? Could both programs rise to six, seven, eight wins? Maybe. They got a lot of work to do. Maybe. But it is interesting. You know, like last year, UNLV lost Jacoby Winman. Now, he thought he was going somewhere where he was going to make a bowl game and have good times. It turned out to not be great times, and then he got involved in that freaking brawl against Michigan. So, like, I don't get mad at kids if they want to step up and they want to go against better competition. We'll see. In the end, we'll see what happens. But the, the Izzo, hey, they're afraid to fail. Like I, I think that's a blanket over a bunch of players, and not all players failed where they were. Yeah, you're Who talking about maybe like 5 to 10% of them are in that situation. Or you don't know the percentage. It could be higher. But, um, yeah, you're, you're basically talking about 100% of the kids uh, with this statement when it's really a much smaller percentage that just didn't like that they didn't you well, know, have the experience they wanted. I mean, look at the Nevada transfers, right? Gary Lucas is coming from Oregon State. Did he fail at Oregon State? No. Right? Did Luis Rodriguez fail at Ole Miss? He's now at UNLV? No. He was he was playing. He just wanted a bigger role. Lucas wanted a bigger role. There's nothing wrong with either trying to step up, get better competition, or taking a step down to try to get more playing time. Number three. Well, I had a kind of a mental breakdown last night. I started to reconsider what I'm doing. This TikTok thing, and you know I've been talking about it for like a year and a half, two years now. It's out of control. And I last night I got caught in hey, a... You, wh- you've been talking about TikTok. No, you, you've I know it's TikTok. a gigantic thing. <laughs> well, I think it's unique that a 52-year-old sports talk radio guy is on TikTok every day. It's uh, a little bit weird. And it's not just for the smut. There's a lot of good content up there. And my breakdown last night was I'm watching and I'm like, there are so many 
creative people on TikTok, I'm like, we're done. We're done in like a year unless we get better because there's just people who are just super creative up on TikTok. And I mean, they're only doing it for like a minute stint, but they do it every day, right? They have content every day. Well, one of the new trends is, I don't know what the hell's going on. It's just some Celine Dion song with a boat floating to an abyss and people sending messages. And I saw one last night from Cooper Cup who was like, hey, user 206394, whatever, some anonymous person um, basically stopped tweeting at me uh, because I'm hurting your fantasy team. And it's just a picture of him in this boat and this music. And that's it. And like every one of them is funny. The music's not funny by itself, but you see superstars are on there. Other people are on there. And then there's this, right? And John Von Tobel's talked about this one. It's just media, social media creators. And you look and they've got like, you know, 10,000 likes and 200,000 subscribers. I found some guy last night who's just gambler dude, uh, like something McHugh. And all he does is either give out parlays, like quietly, right, in front of a mic, or he just throws out games that he lost or were horrific beats and just screams the F-bomb. Clemson! What the f*** happened? How is DJ Ukulele still on the field week 13? Spencer Rattler dragging his butts across the field. If Duke doesn't cover minus 32 and a half tonight against Lafayette, college basketball is fake. This is a Lafayette team that just lost a pen by 28. Raiders, what the f*** happened? No Stafford, no Cup, no f***ing Donald. You just lost a 98-yard drive to a guy living in an Airbnb. I don't know what's happening. Why are we? Why are we just screaming for three hours? Accurate analysis. What is happening? Well, to be fair, we couldn't put our finger on exactly what happened. This guy did. That was it. Yeah, he nailed it. Oh no, that's much better analysis than we had. We're talking about players knocking the ball out of people's hand and you know questionable coverage decisions. Just lost the game to a guy living in our baby. Outside of the three hours that the press box sits in, should we just produce like? Just three minutes of content screaming to fill the other 21 hour, And then I don't know what we're going to do with ESPN National, but do we do, can we just deliver three minutes an hour for 21 hours? I think we just go back in time and go six seconds like, t- like a Vine. Good old Vine. Good old Vine. Number two. Yeah, make sure you follow that guy. He just, he just screams, what the fuck is happening? Uh, okay. This one, this is where I'm, I'm screwed up now. I've never really disliked Baker Mayfield. I've been mostly a Baker Mayfield backer. Last night, like so many people don't like Baker Mayfield. Last night, that comeback, and then his reaction after the game, the interviews he did, he actually came off incredibly likable. The boy genius has done it again. Um, I don't know if you could write it any better than that. Obviously, we'd like to be a little bit more stress-free, but um, it's it's a pretty damn good story. I'll be honest with you. So it's, uh, it's special. Oh, I'm probably going to take a deep breath. Um, Like I said earlier, I'm extremely thankful. Um, You know, praise the Lord. I mean, I just, it's been a tough year, to be honest with you, and this is, uh, it's been a good way to uh, kickstart this journey here. It's it's wild. To be honest with you, I'm just looking to be the best version of me possible, learn and improve in the system, trying to take away from a great group of guys that have had a lot of success. Obviously, you know, the injuries, are, it's tough, but um, just trying to learn from everybody here, take in as much as I can and 
Let the pieces fall where they may. I can't control the future. I know I have, you know, the next four games here. Uh, trying to build on that and just be the best version of me and improve. Me, very strangely, Adam, you do know I play the piano. That was me with my own version of Halo underneath it. I chose oh. not to sing because I wanted the audio to come through clearly. I, I was just questioning because I was there and I didn't hear the piano. <laughs> you didn't hear the mix? Yeah, I was at the I was at <laughs> The, the piano would have been perfect. Can you imagine if the Rams were like, you know what, for this game and that kind of a dramatic comeback, Go ahead. Should I have brought that into the press room and played it? So great. Could knock that out. Like, he did come off likable. Uh, really? Oh. Well, you were just bitter because your story got you – had, you had all your story done. Well, no, it's, it's more – I don't – if there's one time to not just speak in cliches, it was last night. Well, he did it in the press conference, but he didn't do it on the set of I Amazon. Know. I know. So but he, I'm saying I was at the press conference, and yeah. if there's one time to – to not do it like let's go and he he's just gonna let the chips fall where they may that was bad all i can control is the next four games okay number one i don't think we were done yet but ari said move on move on <laughs> top story big ford four we're gonna expand upon this after the break but man there was some bad play calling whether it was lack of aggression there were bad plays too I mean, we got to get into what was Derek carr doing early in the second half they're up 13-3 what what is that pass that he threw we'll hit all that incredibly disappointing Raiders defeat exhilarating Rams victory big four four is brought to you by Battleborn injury lawyers call from anywhere in the state of Nevada 766-1400 third and five ball on the 10 car retreats pressure from his right caving in flips it to the end zone it is intercepted picked off in the end zone Ernest Jones with the interception for LA it's Cofield and Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno JB Long Rams Radio Network by the way, Adam, we've been talking about the Raiders and that horrific loss, last-second loss. That was uh, one of two for me. Not that I'm a Raiders fan, but, you know, I want to see them do well. Um, my school, Rutgers, lost horrifically at the end of the game on what appeared to be a couple of blown calls against Ohio State. Well, here's the good news. Here's the good news. The Big Ten has sent out a letter about these officials. Oh, good. Yep. So they've overturned it. Actually, to your wishes, they're going to come back. And play it again. Nice. They're going to play the final seconds again. Finally. Yep. No. Uh, they said the officials blew it. So basically what happened, folks, is a uh, chance to go up 67-64. Player misses a free throw. Ohio State comes running up the floor. I think the player with the ball traveled in a uh, jump stop and then threw a pass ahead to a player who was standing out of bounds who jumped inbounds. You're not allowed to do that. Can't be the first player coming out of bounds to touch the ball. And then he throws up a three. A miracle three. Um, Big Ten admitted, of course, while saying wonderful officiating crew normally, but that was the wrong call. The ball should have been called dead. Should have gone the other way. That didn't happen. Uh, what You know what I was thinking, too, is we review every blanking thing in college basketball. How is that not reviewable? It's baffling. It's, I mean, an issue, an issue of possession, and they can't go to the monitor? It, all the stuff that we review in all these sports, which I love, I'm all for, and I know people complain about it and get annoyed by it. I, I think you get the call right. 
I'm in no hurry. I'm not going anywhere. Let's get the call right. And and then all of a sudden, you, you have games to come down to things and you say, well, that part's not reviewable. Okay. Like, why? Why why are certain things? And I, I know most most leagues have rules about judgment calls as opposed to, you know, rules, interpretations, that sort of thing. But review everything. Where are you going? Get it right. Yeah. Well, come see me around uh, what? I don't know when. When, uh, when is bracket day? March tenth, something like that. Whenever it is, March fifteenth. See, see what mood I'm in. If that if that's the one game that keeps keeps them off the bubble, because it could be. Well, I, look, I'm, you joked about it. I'm all for if something like that happens in the next day. If if they come out and make an apology, like hey, this should have been called. I'm all for going back to the point when the call happened and replaying. Get everybody back there. How would you replay that one, replay though? It? A play, it was a missed free throw. So what do you do? You let, you let him shoot the free throw and potentially alter the score? No. you it's an inbound? It's Rutgers ball where... Oh, uh, it's a good point. Make yeah. the right call, and they get the, they, yeah. they get the ball with eight-tenths yeah. of a second left. Yeah. So now they have to throw it away, and Ohio State's got to make a two or a three to keep the game going. Yeah. Sounds fair to me. I'm all for it. And I know they're, they're never going to do something like that, but I'm all for it. But... If you go one step further, okay, fine. Don't do that. But when it comes time at the end of the year, they, the committee should take that into account. Absolutely factor that in. And say, okay, well, that was a win. And we'll, we'll look at that as a win. For, for our purposes as a committee, that's a win. All right, give me that end of the game call in the basketball game one more time. Five seconds. It's a two-point game. Thornton gets it off. Hold it. Oh, You know what's funny about that game is I was I was chatting with someone in the Midwest via text, and they know my rooting interest, and they were like, hey, they're going to hold on. I'm like, spoiler! Spoiler. And then, of course, I get a text from our buddy Curtis Terry, and he's like, you know, they got screwed. And I'm like, all right, well, they lost. I hadn't watched it yet. Perfect. I still I didn't watch it until about... 145 today because I didn't want to get too pissed off coming into the show, which I guess is probably a good thing. So and you cut the audio up and or had the sound crew cut the audio yes, up. The vast sound crew grabbed that one. Play it on the show. All right, let's get to the Raiders frustration because while you know people want to crush Jerry Tillery for making a really silly play, knocking the ball out of the hands of the Rams, getting the clock stopped, advancing the ball, that was terrible, bonehead move. There were mistakes throughout the game um, and. When the Raiders had a chance to step on the Rams' necks and they're at the 10-yard line, you got a third and five. Listen, I don't want a field goal there to go up 16-3, but it's certainly better than getting zero. And what Derek Carr was thinking on this is he got trapped in the pocket. It was just such a weird pass attempt. Raiders working end zone to our right. Carr out of the shotgun, takes the snap, eyes the middle, pressure off the edge, throws, tipped in the air, and it is intercepted! Ball was batted up in the air and picked off in the middle of the end zone by Ernest Jones. Look again, again, it's been it's been been an hour and a half, and every time every time come out of a Raiders highlight from that loss, Adam is just like, my God. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah, that that. I mean, there's so many plays that could have you could have changed what happened on that play, and the result of the game is entirely different. Uh, It's it's baffling. It, it, there's so many. I I spent 
So I, I was uh, driving home with uh, one of my coworkers last night. We uh, drove through the night to try to get back for, uh, for, for Josh McDaniels this morning for the press conference. And I, I watched the game a lot on my phone on the drive and then uh, kind of went back through a lot of the stats, a lot of the numbers of what happened and putting into context of what happened and the amount of leads that they've blown this year, the amount of double-digit leads, three score leads three times this year. 0-4 in games where they lead by double digits at halftime. How is that even possible? That's that's a crazy stat. But it's a the way that you get to stats like that and numbers like that and hi- historic collapses like that are by making a bunch of plays or having a bunch of plays happen in a game either that you made or the other team made or that you allowed them to make that are just baffling and confusing. Like a lot of those things have to happen in order for this to take place, and it's it's happening time and time again, and it's it's tough to put put your finger on it. It's you know I know Josh McDaniels was asked today about whether it's just that you don't have a, a killer instinct, and he you know denied that and uh, said, hey look, you can point the numbers and say we only attempted seven passes after halftime, but we actually called like twelve, and five times Derek Arthur you know was pressured and and didn't throw it or uh, you had to get out of that play somehow, so. It would have been a lot more balanced, but little things happen throughout the game, and it's interceptions, it's missed blocks, it's missed assignments, it's all these different things that can go wrong. It's jumping off sides, it's lining up off sides, it's all these things that can happen during a game. All right, third and one, about 2.30 left in the game. Jacobs had just ripped off about an eight-yard run to get to third and one. You know in all likelihood, I hate this, but you know you also want to keep the clock running if you don't get it. But third and one, they run Jacobs, so what you see on the play is Jacobs gets just annihilated behind the line. Two guys are all over him. What was the formation? Who was in the backfield? So Josh Jacobs was at fullback. Okay. Devontae Adams was at tailback. Jakob Johnson was at tight end. You're blocking fullback. That's all he is, right? Yeah. Is at tight end. I mean, I guess it's different than what you've been doing. Immensely successfully using Jakob as a lead blocker. We've seen him back-to-back weeks in prior games uh, just crush people for touchdowns long and short. Why are we doing eye candy? And then the other thing I think of is, does anyone believe Devontae Adams is going to get what a pitch? Is it going to be some sort of wheel route from the running back? Because my first thought is, now what you've done potentially by having Devontae Adams in the backfield is bring an extra defender into the box. And, you know, we talked about this with UNLV football. Against Fresno State, they had a massive run popped off by their running back right up the gut on a fourth and one. They came back with a similar play, but the second time around, they motioned really looked like they were running a jet sweep with a wide receiver, Right. Robbins gets the handoff. He goes up the middle, and there's an extra defender there. You know who that was? The guy who's following <laughs> the receiver. So I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but why would you potentially bring – I have to watch the play again. Why would you bring more people into the box? Well, I mean, I, I think the concept would be that Devontae goes to tailback, and you assume it's going to be some sort of run-pass option where you get him out on the perimeter, and you can either, you know – you can, you can do like a mesh handoff and maybe give it to him, uh, maybe roll out, have Devontae as an option to throw to if you don't get the look you want. I think that that's part of it. 
Um, I think part of the idea, and I could be wrong about this, I asked uh, Josh McDaniels about the play today, and he didn't kind of specific, get into specifics of the concept or what they were going for. But the Raiders, and even going back, if you talk about more people, uh, the Jakob Johnson as a fullback for the Patriots for the last several years and for the Raiders this year has how many career carries? Zero. He's never carried the ball. And so I think when you watch them play, you don't prepare for a fullback handoff necessarily. Now, the Raiders have lined Josh Jacobs up at fullback and run this play before fairly successfully. Uh, but I think you might be looking at it and saying, hey, look, nobody thinks we're going fullback because we never give to the fullback. So maybe you run it this way and they're kind of thrown off. Maybe that's the thought process. I don't know. I don't know what they were going for necessarily, but it didn't work. We know that. And I, I do think it was obviously to try to get everybody focused on Devontae Adams. Well, what's he doing back there? And if you line up, if you pop out of the huddle, Devontae's at, at tailback. The hope is the defense is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I'm but looking. they didn't. It didn't technically bring an extra player in the box. I'm looking at the replay, and it's a poor replay. Uh, I think it was Troy Hill who was kind of assigned to Devontae Adams. Devontae faded off to the right. So I, I, the fake didn't really take anyone away from the play. I don't know. It was weird. But I guess Jacobs has less yards to run. Maybe he doesn't have as much momentum. It's just it's a weird deal. Bad Raiders loss and a lot of troubling moments dropping to five and eight. Yeah, it's a big win for our team. You know, I mean, obviously I, I'm happy to beat Vegas for the first time, but uh, it was more, more than that, it's a big win for our group. We needed a win right now, and that was a huge game for us. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, time to set up the VGK game tonight. Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Philadelphia Flyers, who they've actually had a lot of trouble with in the past, whether the Flyers are good or not. That was Gerard Gallant. Boy, oh boy, what happened the other night? Completely outclassed the Knights were by the Rangers. 5-1. couple of questions. Well, one, is that a game that Logan Thompson should start after a road trip? I don't really know what goes into their decision-making on a lot of goaltenders. Not just this coaching staff, a lot of them. Uh, they have a lot. I, I think one of the things they do is just talk to the player and say, how are you feeling? Do you need a day off? Do you want to play? And most players say they want to play, especially young players. But uh, they have to gauge that and look at the workload and try to balance that. And I, I think they've also been pretty clear, even though they haven't acted like it, to say that Logan Thompson's not the number one goalie. Like it's, they have two goalies. And I know that that's not how they're treating it. And everybody knows that Logan Thompson's the number one goalie, and he's played like the number one goalie. But, um, yeah, it's it, they're, they're trying their best to maintain certain things. And uh, I do think one of, them, one of the things is that they uh, feel like that first game back from a road trip oftentimes is an ugly performance, and maybe that's kind of jump, trying to jumpstart a little bit of, uh, you know, of good vibes and good success in those situations. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's so many factors that go into deciding that. Uh, with teams and and how they manage it, it's tough to really get a read on it. Was it natural to expect a an adrenaline dump coming off the road and after such an emotional victory for Bruce Cassidy over the Bruins? Yeah, every time it, it's it's every road trip has been going on for years, and uh, every time we're kind of still surprised by it. It's 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 funny uh, that this happens, and then 
you know, when they get the, the win on a game like that, you just forget about it, ignore it, and move on. But when it's a loss, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. First game after a road trip. This is what happens in hockey. It just, it's just a common thing that goes on all the time. And in that case, they, you know, they played close. They fought and kind of uh, battled through some, some ugly play early and uh, just kind of ran out of gas at the end and got blown out. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 not unique. it's not unique to them, but it's certainly something we've seen over the years be a recurring theme. That first game back is not, not often your best performance. 7 o'clock game over at the Fortress. Knights are minus 250. Yeah, big favorite. They haven't been great at home. They've been better on the road, actually. Uh, but they continue to lay big numbers. The Flyers just aren't good. It was interesting. At the end of the radio broadcast, the postgame on Wednesday, Dan Duva, one of my votes for Nevada Broadcaster of the Year. We'll see what happens. I hope Q gets it. That would be cool. Hope they have a co-award. Q sure. Myers over on Raider Nation Radio 920 and, and Dan Duva. Kevin E. Martin, very good, too. I enjoy Kevin Bollinger. Missing someone else. I can't remember the fifth person. Damn it. He's trying to shout out everyone. Gosher, I thought. Oh, that's right. Both of the VGK yeah. uh, guys got it. Yeah, Gosher's awesome. Um, after the game. Be- much better broadcasting candidates than writing, I would say. Uh, you're the lead person in the writing. No. I think three of the, I think four or three of my five uh, votes for writer, Nevada writer of the year. Uh, finish in the top five, so we'll see what happens at the end. Um, real quick. Can I, I'll just say right now, if anybody has a vote out there, vote for Willie. Everyone vote for Willie. Willie was in, in, yes. uh, in my five. Um, Lawless in order, just Gary Lawless, went like for like five minutes about when to fly back from the East Coast. And Dan Duva, like, he played along, and finally Dan Duva's like, I think we exhausted that topic. I almost drove off the road. I'm like, that was great. <laughs> it was great. But, I mean, I think Lawless was onto something about travel plans and when, you're, when you fly, do you do one of these crazy overnight flights? Does it gas you out? Should you stay overnight there and then fly in the morning, get back middle of the day? I don't know. Well, I think well, neither, neither one of us is the one to ask. Sure, but now, we don't have to play hockey, but you and I travel I all the time. And drove in the middle of the night last night. Crazy <laughs> hours. and You're full of energy today. Very nice job. 766-1400 is the number to call Battleborn Injury Lawyers. They are bringing you this Battleborn Sports Hour here on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Don't get in the left lane where the cars are going really, really fast. We don't have that kind of car. And for God's sake, don't get in the right lane. And let the team work. Get the ball out to the players. And Purdy, I recruited him out of high school. He's a smart kid. I don't think the pressure's too big for him. But he's got a lot of pieces that are helping him. Just get the ball to the players that you got to get the ball to. And, and Coach Shanahan will still plays to make sure he does that. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, let's talk a little Niners here. Herm Edwards talking about Brock Purdy. Now it's go time. Now teams get to prep for the former Iowa State quarterback, and he's at the helm of a team that has Super Bowl goals. Former NFL player Ian Williams up with us, played in the league, knows this team very well. Ian, how you doing? Long time no speak. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's football season. I'm ready to talk some football. What we got Let, for the Niners going on? Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, I mean, the Niners have been a crazy story this year. The injuries have been amazing at quarterback. Um, you know, we're pretty aware of Brock Purdy because he was here in Vegas a couple of times. But tell the Vegas audience about Purdy. And if you think that Mr. Irrelevant is ready to lead a team to the promised land. Well, first off, you know, Brock shouldn't even be in this position. It's because the 49ers have dealt with a lot of injuries at quarterback. So, 
looking at everything that's gone on with their quarterback situation, it's amazing that they've been able to get to the point that they're at right now and be one of the top teams in the NFC. And that just speaks to the type of core and type of athleticism that they have on offense and defense and also the coaching. So you put that all together with Brock Purdy, a young man from Iowa State who got a lot of reps during the preseason because Jimmy Garoppolo was coming back from a shoulder injury. So he wasn't playing, getting a lot of, a lot of snaps. So who was getting a lot of snaps behind Trey Lance? This young man, Brock Purdy. And it showed in the game because you're playing against Miami Dolphins, one of the top teams in the AFC. This team is supposed to be going to the, to the Super Bowl. And you're able to go in there on a, on a, in a heated situation and be able to weather the storm and be able to get your team to a win. And a very impressive win at that tells me a lot and tells me that this team is still one of the teams in the in, in NFL, even with a backup or third-string quarterback. So how, I mean, the way that this offense is structured, that that's got to help him a little bit too in terms of carrying this team forward. Oh, definitely. Uh, how the defense is, especially the way they're playing, it makes it a lot easier for him. And then also where the way the offense is structured, it's a lot easier for a quarterback to be able to come in, understand the system, and be able to make plays because he has great playmakers. And at certain times on first and second down, you can trust this kid to be able to hand the football off to Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel where – they're getting two, four, five, six yards each play, and it's making it easier for this young man on third down or when Kyle Shanahan wants to draw up a passing situation, which is read, read, and it's making it real simple for the kid. And I think we saw that during the game where he was able to go through his reads and be able to deliver the football and not look uh, – he didn't look really shook or, or like he had never been there before. It's because of Kyle Shanahan knows he has a young man here and make this thing simple for him. I think we saw that, especially with the offensive line. Have they been playing the running game and this kid just can hold it together? I think this team can really do some noise in the playoffs. And can't quarterbacks just come in and practice one time and then win games in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> talk about Baker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, have you, seen, have no, you, have you ever you. seen anything like that? I don't think I've seen anything like that, but it's pretty cool for his situation and the way that his season and his career have gone. I feel like this is definitely a highlight for Baker. I mean, I was watching the game, and I ended up flipping the game because I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if they, things are going to go well. You know, he's throwing the ball into the ground. You know, simple out routes. He's shagging these footballs. It's not going to look good for the Rams. And, you know, they're they're three and out on the season. The next thing you know, I tune on the channel, and, bam, you know, he, he's leading his team back on the, the last drive. No incompletions, and, bam, he makes a, a great play on the last play, great dime and they score, and they win the game. So it's just great to, for, for Baker Mayfield, his camp, his his psychology, and then maybe this team, that's like a, kind of a highlight for this team to be able to, you know, this is the defending Super Bowl champs. You know, this this team has Super Bowl aspirations. Maybe not this year, but it can give them a, a jump start for next year. Who do we give more credit to for the effort last night? Is it Mayfield or is it Sean McVay and the staff for getting them ready? Oh, Sean McVay and the staff, for, for them to be able to get him ready. And then also the offensive verbiage to make it make it simple for Baker, for him to be able to come in and understand certain what means certain things and it not confuse him. And then also gear the offense around being able to him make, make plays and be able to control the offense, especially when you have to take him, uh, take out your starter, middle of the game and then you have to put Baker in you know that kind of doesn't bode well for your offense but you know Baker obviously took the coaching he's a great player on and off the field so you know 
combine those two, and this is what you got. You got a great player out there with a great offensive team, and they were able to beat a very decent team, especially with Max Crosby and, uh, and Chandler Jones beaming down on those defensive end spots. You were still able to go out there and get points. Dean Williams on Cofield and Company, former nose tackle with the Niners, played at Notre Dame. He's an insider for CBS Orlando TV. So, all right, let's flip. You know, McVay got his guy ready on short notice. Let's flip to the Raiders. So, you know, we watch at times Derek Carr look confused. Um, early in the season, middle of the season, McDaniel's offense just did not click. It finally clicked the last three weeks, and you, you start thinking, like, because there are even references by Devontae Adams about, hey, the offense is hard to learn. You know, it's like Mandarin. Like, well, okay, isn't it the job of the coach to make this thing flow? If your offense is too complicated for your guys, don't you have to simplify it? I'm just, I'm still confused on all the confusion with his offense. Well, the confusion shouldn't even be there because you have Josh Jacobs back there. You have one of the best running backs in the NFL. So it shouldn't be confusing at all. You should be running the football, and you, you should have an offense geared towards leaning on your running back and leaning on the offensive line, and every now and then you threaten that defense with Devontae Adams. You don't load Devontae Adams with 25 targets or 20 targets. I want 20 to 20 to 30 carries for Josh Jacobs per game, and I think that's where this offense has gone over the past season. Also, they've dealt with injuries with certain guys being in and out of the lineups, and then also, you know, uh, uh, Devontae, you know, well, you see what you're getting right now, where you have a coaching staff that has the playmakers, but I feel like the playmakers aren't being able to fit into whatever scheme that Coach McDaniel is trying to run. And we see that where Carr looks confused or there's too much of an intricacy to a certain read or they're not simplifying it and make it a one-read system. Or this guy right here, if he if he bails, you throw it here. If he comes up, you throw it here. And it, and it looks like it's complicating things for 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 car and if it's going to complicate things for the quarterback it's going to complicate things for the whole offense so let's go back to this matchup with the niners and the dolphins i mean i would assume mike mcdaniel's offense has some complications to it why have the dolphins flowed so well they have great talent but you know it's worked here true that true that and i've been covering the dolphins for the for the past two years and it's exciting to see what two has been able to do and be able to come back from and then also the amount of talent that's been built on this offense with Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill when you're trying to see, you know, what this offense can do, especially when they get explosive. But, you know, they matched up against one of the top defenses in the NFL in the 49ers. So I think that's what you saw. Tua get a little bit flustered, turning the football over, uncharacteristic uh, uh, mannerisms from this offense and defense. And, you know, they played a, a great NFC team. But I think overall the Miami Dolphins are still one of the top teams. And I think a loss like this, they can definitely overcome and make them better. I just saw I was there for the Niners' uh, Kansas City game for the alumni game. I got to see Coach Harbaugh and Justin Smith and a lot of these guys. I was back and I saw Kansas City whoop up and go up the field on that same 49ers defense. And they've gotten better since that point. So maybe Miami Dolphins got to get better since this since seeing this 49ers defense. Ian Williams up with Cofield and company. All right, this could be a hot water time. Uh, who's the better offensive mind, Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel? I think they're both equally great, and I think we saw that at the end of the game where the handshake was a little short, a little bit shorter than we expected for these two to have known each other and have coached together for that amount of time and spent a lot of time together. We would have hoped to see you know, a little bit more love between the two guys. So that tells me there's a lot of competitiveness between these two guys, and they were bouncing a lot of ideas off of one another. And I think we saw that last season where 
certain schemes and certain uh, uh, options that the quarterback and certain players were able to have. You know, it was a combination of those two guys putting their minds together and going out there and making great football while this team went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, when Coach McDaniel leaves and goes to Miami and pulls some of those players and those same concepts, obviously he's going to be frustrated for Kyle Shanahan because he shared a lot of his intricate mindset with Coach McDaniel. So I think we saw that at the end, but I think both guys have great offensive minds. I will preface this by saying nobody could love Mike McDaniel more than I do. He might be my favorite person in football. But does his does his personality work if the team ever starts losing? I think his personality still works because I think the guys believe him. I think that I, I saw a clip where he actually took fault for a play where there was something that had happened during the play and it didn't work out properly and the guys came to the sideline and they're in the huddle and he said, that was my bad. I messed up on that. And Players listen to that. Players pay attention to little things like that, where your coach, where your coach, takes accountability, and it shows where this is why this team was where it was a few years ago, and why they're totally different right now. So, uh, I think even with them losing a couple of games, and even with their star quarterback going down with a with a really bad injury, and, and certain things that that have gone on throughout the season, they're still in, in a position to be a top AFC team. I want to go back to the 49ers real quick. Can they still win the Super Bowl? I think they can. You said that can they win the Super Bowl? Yeah, with Purdy. I think they can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I talked about it earlier. You know, with the offense and the defense, Kyle Shanahan, you talked about his mind, how he can team a defense up and know exactly what he needs to do on any offensive play. With all those things in combination, you have to be able to respect this is the same team that went to the Super Bowl last year. And I guess what with Garoppolo's injury, it throws everything into kind of flux. But what do they do with his future? Well, Garoppolo, I think he'll still be a part of this team next year, uh, unless there's uh, unforeseen circumstances where this is supposed to be Trey Lance's team, and Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to be a bystander and step in if certain things happen to Trey Lance. But I feel like this team is still good with Jimmy Garoppolo, especially with the defense plan the way they're playing. I think Jimmy Garoppolo comes back on a similar deal. And even if Brock Purdy does get this team to the Super Bowl and they win it, then we're talking differently where Brock Purdy is now elevated to the second guy, but Trey Lance is still overall the main guy the 49ers want to be quarterback in this football team. Former nose tackle with the Niners, Ian Williams, played at Notre Dame. i got about a minute left. I did want to ask you a question about Notre Dame. So they're playing in the Gator Bowl three-point favorite against South Carolina. Marcus Freeman, first time around. What do you think of year one? Up and down, up and down season. Great way to finish it, and I'm very excited for the program. Like, you know, where every come, they got a lot of just come lead this year, tight end, defensive end. So it was very, very promising to see how this team responded to their quarterback and also a new coach and also losing some very unexpected games to Marshall and other teams where. You know, it was like, like what, what is that from? Not another. I feel like this team overcame a lot of odds and they were able to play a lot of towards the end of the season. I'm excited to be able to go up to Jacksonville. So I'm in Orlando, so I'm going to go up to Jacksonville and check them out and go do some of the alumni things. There you go. Ian, have a great weekend. Thanks for reaching out to us. Very good spot. We appreciate it. Always, always. Go Niners. <laughs> Ian Williams, former Niner with us, former Fighting Irish. As well, Drew Pine is out for Notre Dame, a quarterback. 
They have Lloyd Carr's grandson coming in. He picked Notre Dame over. Michigan. Michigan. He's got decent quarterbacks on the roster. You know, the starting quarterback got hurt. I wonder if they're going to hit the portal. Can't imagine they expect Carr to come in and, and start right away. So they should be involved in the portal for a quarterback, shouldn't they? I would imagine. And they're going to need to find a tight end, too, because it's their entire team. He's out. Yeah, Michael Mayer's off to the NFL. How about make a run at DJU? For Reno, listen to the entire show. LVSportsNetwork.com. That's where the archives are.